Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And on this Football Friday, we welcome you back to Hour 2 of Get Up This Morning. We come to you live, as always, from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. The squad is ready because we've got not one, not two, not blah, 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 but six. We got two tomorrow, we got three on Sunday, and then the big one on Monday night. This is the team we put together to impose. Ryan Clark is ready to go this morning as we begin at the end of Wild Card Weekend. Cowboys facing an uphill battle entering Monday's showdown against Tampa. First off, they're battling history. They haven't won a road playoff game in 30 years. They've lost eight straight. That's time for the second longest streak all time. Next, they never beat Tom Brady. Literally. Tom Brady is 7-0 all time in his career against the Cowboys, which is his best record against any opponent. And then finally, the Cowboys are battling themselves specifically. Trying to overcome Dak Prescott's league-leading 11, excuse me, 15 interceptions, 11 of which have come on his own side of the field. Here's Zeke Elliott talking about his struggling quarterback. I don't know if it's really affected his confidence at all. Uh, I mean, when you when you're when you put all the work in, when you leave nothing up to doubt, then there's no reason for you to lose confidence. You, you built that through continuous hard work. He's put the work in. You know, I know he's ready. All right, so they're ready to go, and it's a very big night for Dak. It, it feels like with the way things have gone, it's a big night. So let me start with my quarterback here, because he's thrown all these interceptions, and you put together some tape to show that sometimes they are the quarterback's fault, and sometimes yeah. a quarterback is just getting unlucky. Yeah, and I think Dak, since the start of December, so I looked at the last nine interceptions, so starting from since we got to December, what some of these interceptions looked like. Well, here you go against Indianapolis. Michael Gallup falls down, Stephon Gilmore there for the pick. As a quarterback, when that ball leaves your hands, you don't think a receiver is going to fall to the ground. And you look at some of the other interceptions. How about against Houston when he's backed up and his arm gets hit throwing the football? Mm-hmm. Like That's another unlucky situation. Like That's not bad pocket awareness, none of that. That's his arm getting hit because of bad job in pass protection. How about late in the game against Jacksonville when you throw a perfect ball versus some pressure It ends up getting dropped, tipped in the air, and run back for a score. Or how about against Tennessee when a similar thing happens, when you put the ball in the chest of your tight end, and it pops up in the air and ends up getting intercepted. And so I think that, you know, when you look at that, that's four of the nine. Right. Like nearly half of them. You know, so I just do think that there has been an overreaction to a guy that has been very good throughout his entire career of making good decisions and not turning it over and then saying, like, hey, right now, like, he just is making bad decisions. He's not seeing the game right. I just don't think that's actually what's happened with Well, that. so, so I mean, it, this, this feels to me like it will decide everything because what's been fascinating to me this morning, and <clears throat> Nico's been with me now, what, two, three years, is the Patriot in you is coming out. We get to playoff time, and I hear Bill <laughs> Belichick. Game. You're One, talking about penalties. You're game. talking about turnovers. <laughs> Turning the football over just once is what gets you beat. You're, you're echoing Bill Belichick's words, and that's the key on Monday night, isn't it? It is, and that's, that's the playoffs. And, and I think back to the Super Bowls that I won. I easily could have lost. Oh, I mean, that was a great season. Easily. No, but I'm saying the Super Bowls, even that I lost, like the, all, every, one of those, every one of those games came down to one play. 
One play. Mm. And, if, and if that ball is not intercepted, we lose. If you know, talking about the Seattle one? The Seattle game. Right? Okay. The Seattle catch. Um, you the know, Atlanta if, if game Hightower, is overtime. If Hightower doesn't strip sack um, and get the ball off of Matty Ice, we don't win that football game. So it's literally one turnover will decide the game. Yeah. And, and that's what, in the playoffs, it's just that one mistake that you don't know at what point in the game it's going to happen. It could be in the first quarter. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the score, based on what happened with that turnover, it, it could be your season. So, so you Diana. have to take care of the football. And, and that's why the, the DAC turnover thing is so big. Oh, absolutely. You have to be smart with the football. And, and, and I mean, whether it's unlucky and, yeah. or, or whatever it is, I mean, that one, yeah. that one play, assuming that we – that we see our close game on Monday night, and who knows what that's going to be. What The people that you talk yeah. to around the league, I, there's so much talk about the Cowboys because they are the Cowboys. What are people saying about that? Well, I think coming off the commander's performance, his worst performance as a quarterback in Dak's career, yeah. statistically, to head into the playoffs playing like that just does not help his case. And and he is in a little bit of a rut. Uh, you know, Tim pointed to a lot of the unlucky throws there. That is unfortunately just happening at the wrong time for him. So the, the thought that that Dallas, uh, you know, is at a disadvantage heading into this game because of Dak's interception, it, it is a real thing. And they need to play very clean football, as Rob was pointing out, for them to have success. Correct. Because we are assuming that it's going to be a close game because Tom Brady's on the other side and the Cowboys have not played great. Let me posit something slightly different here. That... If the Cowboys are going to be what we think they have the capability of being, this shouldn't be a game that comes down to one play. No. We watched the Buccaneers play for the last three months. They're not good. That's not, they're a sub-500 football team. The Cowboys won 12 games this no. year. They were one slip-up from Philadelphia away from possibly being the one seed. They've had their ups and their downs. If someone were to say to you, this should be a one-sided game and the Cowboys should handle them if they're going to be a championship contending team this yep. year, what would you say? I would say I agree with you when you look at how the season's gone. That being said, look at how Dallas has allowed lesser teams <laughs> kind of hang around this season. Like yeah. they, They've played close games with, with teams that – you know, we think that they are better than. And I would also say this, like, look, and I just got done saying, hey, uh, look, it's, this isn't all about Dak struggles. Guys around him need to play better. Like, I'm not saying that he's playing the best football of his career. And what I would say about Tampa Bay is, for much of the season, there seemed to be a disconnect between Tom Brady and Mike Evans. Mm. That switch seems feels like it's been flipped back mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. I think he hit him for three go routes in week 17. Like there, there's been uh, the chemistry between those two players has changed. And when you think about how that aligns with Dallas, who has a team that's given up big plays, that would concern me if I'm the Cowboys. It's going to be a fascinating night. We're going to get into what's at stake for the Cowboys a little yep. bit later in the hour. And again, RC will join us. We'll have to do some technical stuff. We will get Ryan Clark back in. In the meantime, our next stop is Baltimore. Because right now, this really is the biggest story in the NFL, aside from the playoffs. And that is that Lamar Jackson broke his silence yesterday on Twitter and told us all he's not playing on Sunday. He has not played since spraining his left knee on December 4th. Here's what he tweeted yesterday. Thank you, everyone, for your support and concerns regarding my injuries. I want to give you all an update as I am in the recovery process. I've suffered a PCL grade 2 sprain on the borderline of a strain 3. There is still inflammation surrounding my knee, and my knee remains unstable. I'm still in good spirits as I continue with treatments on the road to recovery. I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give a 100% of myself to my guys and fans. I'm still hopeful we still have a chance. So... 
That's the word directly from Lamar Jackson himself. Yes. When you talk to people, Diana, yep. what do you hear? He is not 100%. So the, he is telling the truth, not that, uh, you know, I, I do think that there are people that are questioning it. Yeah. So uh, from those I've talked to in Baltimore, yes, he is dealing with this PCL injury, Rob. Touched on it earlier last hour, just the seriousness of that injury and how long the recovery usually takes. And, he, and, and he's in that space uh, of a, in terms of the timeline. But the real question here is, Lamar not at 100%. Is that still better mm -hmm. than the backups at 100% to give the Ravens a chance? Because we know how different this Baltimore team is is when Lamar Jackson isn't on the field. Look, and, and football players have been toughing it out for their teams since the inception of the game, and we all understand that there are extenuating circumstances here. This was somewhat predictable when the season began without a contract from both sides. And look, no one is questioning that Lamar Jackson is hurt. Clearly he's hurt. But there were two things that have happened here that never happened. One of them is there's nothing stopping John Harbaugh from saying to the media, listen, guys, he's hurt. That, that, I don't want to hear, don't ask me about him playing this Sunday. It's not about his contract. He's hurt. John Harbaugh has definitively not done that. The other thing is football players very seldom detail the specifics of their injuries the way Lamar Jackson did on Twitter last night. So I don't mean to put two and two together here because you always run the risk of coming up with five. But, Tim, something doesn't feel normal about it, this. It doesn't feel normal. John Harbaugh has been, you know, when talking about his franchise quarterback, I said, hey, we're going to talk about the guys that are here. He's speaking. His tone on it for the last few weeks has felt like he's referring to a guy that's holding out. Mm -hmm. To your point about addressing the injury, have we heard Jalen Hurts talk about his AC sprain on his shoulder? No, of course we haven't. Just like we didn't hear Aaron Rodgers talk about his thumb or Matthew Stafford talk about his elbow or his shoulder or Josh Allen talk about his elbow. It doesn't happen. Guys don't do that, especially quarterbacks. And so everything about it feels weird. Is he hurt? Does he have a, a PCL injury? I'm sure. All of it. That does, and I would also say this. Is he also you know, essentially a few weeks away from being guaranteed in one season more money than he's made in his entire career? Yes. So, like, I don't know that you can avoid that scenario. And let's make sure everyone understands what you mean by that. If their season ends on Sunday night, and if he's not playing, I think we all overwhelmingly yep. expect it to, then the next step here is probably the worst-case scenario for him financially as he plays on the, the franchise Fantastic. tag next year, which will be worth more money than he has made in his five-year career up until this point. So, Ninko, the bottom line of it is this. We all understand that he's hurt. No one is questioning that he is injured. But the question becomes, in his particular circumstance, could you blame him if he's saying, I'm not taking any real major risks at this particular moment of my career and my life? I wouldn't blame him at all. But, I mean, I'm just, I was just watching the highlights that they're showing of him. Everything that he does is explosive. Everything. If you are not close to feeling 100% or even 80%, 90% of running and cutting and doing all the athletic things that he does as a quarterback, you can't step foot on that football field. Because if you do go out there and you hurt yourself, it could affect the rest of your career. Because yeah. if he tears his knee worse than it is, he might not be the same player. So, Diana, here's what I'm telling you. 
I'm just giving you a little glimpse of what the next couple of months of your life are going Can't to wait. be looking like. <laughs> because I'm going to be telling the producers of this show every day, get Rossini on the phone and find out what she knows about the situation. Yeah, and I'm going to call you back with babies crying on the phone. <laughs> That's little Mikey and little Joey will be out. I don't know what's going on with Lamar. But here, here's, here's the bottom line of it all, okay? Is it feels like at this moment we are further, not closer, than we were last summer to these two sides working out a long-term deal. Absolutely. So now what happens? Absolutely, because you, you, you look at what were some of the big question marks when we sat here together, guys, in the summer was his injury. Is he injury prone? Do, does this Baltimore Ravens organization really want to invest in someone that they may have some question marks about his health? Well, here we go again, right? There, there's, there are question marks again. And, you know, when you take a look at this team, and, and, I, and I did have a conversation with someone in Baltimore late yesterday, you know, and he pointed out, you have to feel for the veterans on this team who know that they have a roster right now that could go really far in the playoffs if Lamar just plays, if he's just out on the field. And this entire season has been difficult for them. And we talked about this in the summer, mm -hmm. about it being a distraction. We just never talked about it being a distraction in January. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Because we thought he would start the season and, and sit out, and that would be the story. I don't think anyone said, well, maybe he'll decide towards the end, I'm going to sit out. And maybe we'll look back on this and say, you know what? That was a really good play. That was a good hand by Lamar. Because, look, the Baltimore Ravens are now in a position they're not going to have success most likely in the postseason because Lamar Jackson is not on the field. It is clear Baltimore needs Lamar, and he's not there. Their defense has been so much better since they got Roquan Smith. It'll be fascinating to see how this plays out. Meantime, maybe they surprise us all on Sunday night. As we continue here, Derek Carr said goodbye to Raiders fans yesterday. Which team's fans should want him to say hello? We will dive into those in just a moment. And Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy are sharing the spotlight for the Cowboys this week. Why turning in an award-winning performance Monday feels vital for them both. That's on the way. This is Get Up on ESPN. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
A massive Monday on ESPN starts with Get Up, where we will examine all the fallout from what promises to be a wild, wild card weekend in the NFL. Stephen A., Michael Irvin, and friends are in Tampa ahead of the Cowboys-Bucks game for first take with two shows at 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. Eastern, while NFL Live will be in Raymond James Stadium at 3 p.m. Eastern. It's a football festival on ESPN all day Monday. Meanwhile, Diana Rossini, let's run the hurry up. So much news around the NFL. What's going on with Sean Payton? Yeah, certainly one of the most popular coaches right now in the NFL. Sean Payton's sweepstakes begins on Tuesday. The Denver Broncos are going to head out to Los Angeles to meet with Payton, who's currently working for Fox uh, on television. But he's been very clear he wants to get back into coaching. So Denver's going to be the first one up. But in terms of what Sean Payton is looking for, from what I was told, a lot of this is about power, control in terms of the roster. And he's looking to coach a quarterback that's already established. So look for that in terms of where Sean will wind up. Then, meantime, guys, we know that Bengals-Bills game um, was canceled in Week 18. So due to that and the competitive advantage, they decided that if the Bengals, excuse me, that if the Chiefs and the Bills are in the AFC Championship game, that will be played at a neutral site. That site will be the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, and that will be the later game, a 6:30 Eastern kick. That's, of course, if it's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. And then finally, two weeks ago, Raiders quarterback Derek Carr was benched. Well, yesterday he posted his goodbye letter and really probably the most powerful part of his goodbye message to fans and to everyone in the league is the fire still rages inside of him. So his days in Las Vegas are over, but in terms of his future, he certainly wants to keep it going. And I can tell you also the Vegas Raiders have been starting or at least beginning to make calls around the league for teams looking to trade for him. So it'll be interesting to see if he's traded. You see that he's got a guaranteed, uh, a bunch of guaranteed money if he's still on the roster in yep. mid-February. They may wind up having to release him. It may wind up being just up to him where he goes from here. So I want to put the picks on the screen. I asked everyone here, which team needs to go out and get um, Derek Carr. And I'm not surprised that, oh my goodness, there's not one, but there are two. <laughs> Say the New York Jets should go get Derek Carr. And neither of them is me. Uh, Tim Hasselbeck. Why? What do you like about it? Well, I think they need an upgrade at the position. He clearly is an upgrade. I think he'll be in demand, to be honest with you. And I think he'll probably want to go somewhere where he can have success. So total, total overhaul of that offense in New York. But there is talent on the roster, running back at receiver. They have a very good defense. And so I think Derek Carr ends up being a nice solution there. Yeah. With Derek Carr, look, if a quarterback of Derek Carr's caliber had been on the Jets this year, there's no question they'd be they'd playing be this correct. weekend. Correct. And then we'd see from there. Um, and and uh, let me see. Uh, uh, Ninko, uh, you said Colts. How about Colts? You know, sometimes the best thing is a total reset. And, and the Colts, they're going to hit the reset button. They're going to come in with a new staff. And you look at Carr, you know, what, what were the reasons that things didn't work out with the Raiders. They gave him every opportunity, every weapon imaginable. You go out and get his college teammate, yeah. and they still didn't get it done. Mm -hmm. So, I, I don't know. I, I think if you're another team, if you're competing, if you are the Jets, you look at how much it's going to cost you to bring in Carr as well. Yeah. You know, you're really, he has a no trade clause, so he's going to ask to be cut, mm -hmm. then he's going to be a free agent, then he's going to want a comparable contract to what starting quarterbacks make. So mm -hmm. you have to be willing to guarantee north of yeah. maybe $100 million. I just oh, don't know sure if I want to do that if I'm the Jets. Diana Rossini, I see you've got New Orleans yeah, on the screen. Because here's what I think about Derek Carr. He's never played with a top 10 defense, right? They, think about the Raiders. They've been like 20, 27, 28th over the years since he's been there. Why not go to a team that has a top 10 defense? Right? The Jets have that. 
They do. Yeah. They do. Um, you want everyone in New York. Yes. Um, <laughs> That's true. But, but here's, here's my fantasy. I don't know if he's going to want New York. Though. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. The market. Here's you got to figure out who their offensive not an easy coordinator market. is. It's yeah. not an easy market. Here's the safety valve. Okay, so the Jets had a quarterback room this year that we felt was not so distinguished. Next year, I want it super distinguished. Let's go get Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and Derek Carr and let them fight it out for Brady, the job. You know what? That's just an amazing idea. 66 quarterbacks started games this year. 66 quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So I think there's something like 11 teams that had the same starter every single yeah. game. The, the reality is, is whoever your quarterback is, look at what we're seeing in the playoffs. Whoever your quarterback is, there's a chance you're going to play part of your season, potentially into the postseason with someone other than your opening day starter. Perfect. So Carr could be my backup. That's what I'm saying. So you got a loaded quarterback room. You're, That's you're, how you're, you're supporting all hey, of this. Kill a mosquito with a sledgehammer. <laughs> just go ahead and do it. we got Rodgers starting, and then if he twists an ankle, then we go to Derek Carr. I mean, let's get into the serious piece of this year. Derek Carr is going to be shopped, and there are a lot of quarterbacks who are going to move from one place to another this offseason. Carr will be about as hotly pursued as any, I would assume. Definitely. So the overall feel in the league is that Derek Carr still has the fire that he's talking about. This isn't a, a situation that we're talking about, which we've done in years past, where we see a team moving on for a quarterback and we question, do they still have it? Uh, remember when Matt Ryan joined the Colts, we had a lot of conversations. Is Matt still good? Right. Even, even going back to Matthew Stafford going, going to the Rams, there were some question marks. Remember that they turned out to win a Super Bowl. Here's the question that I guess we ask about Carr, because it felt like a year ago at this time that he had really emerged after the, the whole fiasco that he was the John Gruden the situation. He led through yes. that play yep. great. He got the offensive-minded head coach in there with all the skill position players, and we thought Derek Carr is set up to have a huge year. Why didn't it go that way, and how much concern should that be of people who were thinking of signing him? I think it's important that the quarterback and the head coach, offensive coordinator, play caller see the game the same way. And I think that you can look at various examples throughout time where, listen, a coach is good with one quarterback, maybe not another. A quarterback's good with this coordinator, maybe not another. I don't think they were a great match. And so... Because of that, I think you have to look at his history, who he's been around, what he had success doing, and try to do that. So would it be a concern? I mean, not for me, because I think he's definitely one of the 32 best on the planet oh, to be a starter. Yeah. Um, but I think that's why that happened. So, yeah, I mean, I, but it's saying all that, Seattle, Houston, Carolina, Indy, Jets, like there are so many landing spots that – Derek Carr is going to get paid a lot of money to be a starting quarterback. For sure. But we have already figured it out today exactly how this thing is going to go. Tom Brady will go take that spot in Las Vegas, and Derek Carr will go to one of these places. Maybe the Jets will see how it turns out. Okay, rolling along we are on this Football Friday. Coming up, they won 12 games for the second season in a row. So why does Monday night feel like such an important one for Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy's future? We will answer that question, and we'll see if Hasselbeck can answer this. Which coach has won the most road playoff games in NFL history? It's a very reasonable question, and the answer is coming up next. You're watching Get Up on ESPN. Lift every voice and sing. Dr. Martin Luther King stood for so much. He stood for resilience. He stood for pre perseverance. He stood for pride. I mean, still for justice and, and making a difference for the whole entire world, changing the dynamic of, of how this world is operated. Um, so much love for him and everything he, he's done to impact my nation.
We continue. Get up here on ESPN. Okay, uh, Tim has been agonizing over this tough one from Sneaky Hembo. Which coach has won the most road playoff games in NFL history? Okay, so I was thinking back in time. I was thinking Joe Gibbs for a little bit. Parcells came into mind. Seemed like he was in the playoffs a lot. I don't want to go Belichick because I feel like they probably had a lot of home playoff games. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to Andy Reid, guy that's had a ton of success in the NFL. I don't remember him always having, like, the highest seed, and so I'm going Andy Reid. Okay, so it is an active coach, but it isn't Andy Reid. It is a coach who was coaching on the road this weekend. It is John Harbaugh of the Baltimore Ravens is the winningest coach on the road in postseason history. Eight road playoff wins. Tom Landry and Tom Coughlin, seven each. So right behind him. And then Mike McCarthy. And Joe Gibbs behind Andy Reid's not even in the question. So Andy Reid wasn't – remember, they were home every year in Philadelphia, right? They always hosted those games and everything else. All right, score that one for Sneaky Hembo. Meanwhile, back to the game of the weekend, which will not be played on the weekend. It'll be played on Monday night. The turnover battle could be pivotal as Dak Prescott threw a career-high 15 interceptions this year, playing just 12 games. Tom Brady, meanwhile, is 20-1 and in his playoff career when his team wins the turnover battle. So we began this hour by talking about the quarterback. Let's continue the conversation by talking about the coach. I feel, Diana, like there is a school of thought that Mike McCarthy is coaching for more than just Mm -hmm. one win on Monday night. What are you hearing? Your sense is he is, uh, and that's the right read by you. And and there there is a lot of pressure that he has to do this because of the roster. Jerry Jones has expectations that they've built something that should last and should go far in the playoffs. And and there have been really good moments this season where you have to give Mike McCarthy credit. But, of course, there's still things that that, that aren't great. And if they get bounced this early – I think this is where Jerry Jones is going to most likely have to make a decision on whether or not he wants to stick with Mike McCarthy or not. As I put the picks up on the screen here, here's what we say. When a coach makes the playoffs and gets fired, we all know that there's the the traditional sort of ebb and flow of a season. And usually that Monday after the last games of the regular season is when we see most of the firings. When someone gets fired later than that, it is generally because there is a belief on the part of the owner and whoever else that this is a Super Bowl-caliber team. You get knocked out in the first round and you fire your coach, it means your owner at least believes you should have gone much further than that. Is this team that team? Are they that good? I, th- I think that they need to they definitely need to win this game, but they are a good football team, and they should win this football game and then move on to the next and round. And why does it say the Buccaneers under your name? it's a trap game. <laughs> it's a trap game. They should win this game. Because he played with Tom. So why friends with Tom. That's a factor in all this. I don't know what I'm doing. Tom, <laughs> well, no, no. When the question is who's going to win a playoff game, the answer is usually Tom Brady. And that definitely exactly. factors into and, this thing. And he hasn't lost to the Cowboys. <sighs> Ever. Mm-hmm. Ever. So, you know, in this particular matchup, again, the pressure is on the Cowboys. Yeah. We've been talking about the Cowboys all week. We haven't really been talking much about the Bucks all week. You know, we, you talk about hey, they were they underperformed this season. Well, guess what? The season doesn't matter. They're in the playoffs. They have a bunch of weapons that if you let them run the ball and throw the ball down the field like the last week of the season, we saw Tom Brady drop back, hit his back foot, and throw dimes down the mm-hmm. field. They can beat you. So, you know, the, the playoffs are kind of funny in a way. Like teams with the pressure, the game's on the line, you, you start to make mistakes. And one mistake can cost you a game. And, and you know, Tim Hasselbeck, 
You said something a little bit earlier this morning, and I didn't have time to dive more deeply into it, which is while you have picked the Cowboys to win this game, you started saying this matchup scares you. What don't yeah. you like about this matchup for Dallas? Well, I think I look at Dallas defensively and see I, – like, I think Dallas is good. Now, they are an overly aggressive defense. They are a fast-flow, aggressive defense. And so you look at what people have done to them, they've kind of used that against them. And so, you know, think about a double move on a corner. That's aggressive. Think about, um, you know, getting linebackers going one direction to try to hit a tight end coming back over, you know, the other way. That is what people have done with success against the Cowboys. And I think when you look at some of the recent success for Tampa – it's been with some of that stuff. Like it was a stutter go to Mike Evans on an overly aggressive corner. That is what would concern me, is that this Dallas defense allows Tom Brady to get into a rhythm. Get comfortable. This Dallas defense, Ninko, and no one would know this better than you, obviously, having played on so many great defenses. They get a lot of attention per success, which is to say, like one out of every four games, they look like they may be the most aggressive and, and dominant unit in the NFL. And then they don't look that way for most of the time. And they're playing this game on the road, on grass, which everyone here all week is telling me is not the best setup well, for them. You know, I think it's because the sack numbers, right? We were caught up in these sack numbers, the pressure numbers, because that's what everybody wants to see. But at the end of the day, you have to stop the run. On first down, you have to be able to stop the run. And, and at some point this year, they were not able to stop the run. They were giving up a lot of yards on the ground. So when you start to do that, it makes third down a lot easier when it's third and five. So this team, if they want to get back to rushing the passer and being aggressive, they have to win on first down. I'm still watching this game going, what are they doing at corner? I, I, don't, yeah. I think we're overlooking it, that this is an issue. We saw what the commanders did. They tried using you know, one, of their draft, one of their young rookies in that spot. That didn't work. They tried signing a free agent off the street. That didn't work. Who is that guy? Who is going to be that player to step up? Because you know Tom Brady's just going to sit that, sit back, no huddle, and just go all day long where he has the advantage. It is worth pointing out, and you see the question on your screen, uh, that McCarthy is the first coach since Chan Gailey to lead them to the playoffs in consecutive seasons in about 20 years. Well, that, those Chan Gailey teams went one and out, one and out in each of those years, and he got fired. So history is what it is here. Feels like the Cowboys have a lot at stake. Meanwhile, DraftKings Sportsbook Predictions brought to you by DraftKings. Who will throw more touchdowns on Monday night? Will it be Dak Prescott or will it be Tom Brady? We will find out and we will remind you that DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And this week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Download the app and use the code GETUP when you sign up. Let's look at some of the other matchups this weekend. Uh, the playoffs will kick off Saturday afternoon in San Francisco. The 49ers will look to improve to 3-0 against Seattle this year as these division rivals match up. And for all the attention that Brock Purdy has received, the Niners actually enter the playoffs having allowed fewer points and fewer yards than any defense in the sport. They don't let teams move the ball. They do a great job in taking it away, second in takeaways with 30. During their 10-game win streak, the defense has allowed 20 points or fewer in nine of them. So I was trying to put together some questions here. And, 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 and Nico, I'll start with you as the yep. defensive player. Is the most dominant unit that we will see on the field this weekend, right? so you got six offenses or 12 offenses and 12 defenses, is the most dominant individual unit, the San Francisco defense? Oh, man, that's a tough one because we've seen a lot of great offense lately. Um, you know, I, 
Defense wins championships. Yeah. I'm a defensive player, and I love what the 49ers are doing. And I love the, the ability to stop the run, be aggressive, take the ball off people, get after the quarterback. They can do it all. And I think this game's going to be a rain, rain out. Like, it's going to be a washout. Yeah. And when you're a defender, you love those types of games because you literally understand these plays, they can't run. They're going to try and run the football, and we're just going to get after this football team. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with yes, they are. They you're are you're dominant. so lukewarm on this. Like, well, it's so I, hard I, because now it's so hard to stop offenses. You know, it's such a spread league now, and it's not. It's a completely different way of playing defense. Hasn't been that hard no, for San Francisco I, I, so far I, I, this year. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm way more in love with the 49ers mm-hmm. defense than it sounds like you are. Like You're like, you get it, but I'm, I'm like all in. These guys are playing with their hair on fire. Mm-hmm. When you watch them, they are so much faster than anyone else that they're playing at all times. And, and I, I just think when you take a look at all the teams, I mean, what offense do you think is better than the 49ers defense at this point? If you, if you can mismatch them or mix match them at this point, I mean, right? You have to have a mobile quarterback. Yeah. I mean, a mobile quarterback can really affect a great defense because you can't be as aggressive when you have a mobile quarterback. So any of the guys that can get out on, on the edge and, and run, that's that's trouble for How me. about this team? Whether they're the most dominant individual unit or not, they're if they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year, they're going to ride Nick Bosa and that defense. Yeah, right? I think it's it's a defensive-led team. Look, I think Kansas City is the only unit that I would – their offense, yeah. obviously – that, that I would say, okay, maybe as a unit as dominant. Mm-hmm. But, look, I – in terms of their front, I mean, they've got elite players on their front. They've got elite players at the linebacker level, and I think that's helped the secondary play significantly better. They're coached well. John Lynch done a tremendous job uh, with their personnel. Uh, they're a defensive-led team, and I think what they're doing on offense, no matter who their quarterback is, actually just fits for the identity of their football just good. And look who they played, right? I think yeah. that's what also highlights how good they are. And you, you take a look at the quarterback. It could be Jimmy G. It could be Purdy, whoever. Kyle Shanahan has built an offense where he literally can just plug and play. And then you add Christian McCaffrey just yeah. a few weeks ago. And, you know, I talk about hair on fire. He yeah. completely gives Kyle Shanahan that, that run game that he's been looking for. And as you see, everybody up here believes San Francisco survives and advances this one. And then they will wait. Maybe it's Dallas the following weekend. There's a, a very realistic scenario where that thing plays out. What a fascinating matchup that would be after the game they played yeah. in the playoffs a year ago. All right, much more Football Friday as we go, but wait a minute. Did you see the controversy in the NBA last night? Game of the night. Guys, watch this. What happened here? It was LeBron against Luka. We're going right to the fourth quarter. 12 seconds left. Mavericks are down three. The one thing you can't do is let Luka shoot a three. Oh, my goodness. He winds up with a squared-up look, and of course, he knocks it down. Clutch shot by Luka, so now there is six seconds left, and the game is tied. Here we go. LeBron, Troy Brown. Watch this. Ninko. How is this not a foul? Tim Hardaway Jr. gets a piece of the hand and a piece of the body. Because it's not LeBron. And yet they didn't call the foul. If he had made one free throw in that scenario, they would have won in regulation. Instead, we're going to overtime. Under a minute to go. Mavericks are down three. And again, it's Luka knocking down another clutch triple. We're tied. Clock winding down. It tied again, this time at 108. (coughs) LeBron with a chance to win it. Taking it to the hole. Again, no whistle. He was looking for a call, and we're going to a second overtime in the second OT. Mavericks down by one, and just look at Luka. Special. He had 35 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists. LeBron now under 30 seconds to go, down by three, looking for the tie. He shot just 9 of 28 from the floor, and in double overtime, 
The Mavericks emerge with the win. The controversy on the non-call definitely got a lot of talk after the game was over. Meanwhile, we'll be back here tonight for the NBA in a doubleheader. It starts with Steph and the Warriors on the road. Listen, they're playing tonight in the Alamo Dome against San Antonio, so there will be a lot of folks jammed into that building. Then we're going to have Jokic and the West-leading Nuggets taking on Kawhi and the Clippers. We'll start your night 7 Eastern here on ESPN with NBA Countdown tonight. Looking forward to the hoops. Meanwhile, as we continue... Did you hear what Stephen A. Smith had to say yesterday about what the Ravens should do about Lamar Jackson? You aren't going to want to miss it. You'll hear it next. It's Get Up on ESPN. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lift every voice and sing. Dr. Martin Luther King stood for so much. He stood for resilience. He stood for pre- perseverance. He stood for pride. Um, he stood for justice and, and making a difference for the whole entire world, changing the dynamic of, of how this world is operated. Um, so much love for him and everything he, he's done to impact my nation. We continue get up here on ESPN. Okay, uh, Tim has been agonizing over this tough one from Sneaky Hembo. Which coach has won the most road playoff games in NFL history? Okay, so I, I was thinking back in time. I was thinking Joe Gibbs for a little bit. Parcells came into mind. Seemed like he was in the playoffs a lot. I don't want to go Belichick because I feel like they probably had a lot of home playoff games. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to Andy Reid, guy that's had a ton of success in the NFL. I don't remember him always having, like, the highest seed, and so I'm going Andy Reid. Okay, so it is an active coach, okay. but it isn't Andy Reid. It is a coach who is coaching on the road this weekend. It is John Harbaugh of the Baltimore Ravens is the winningest well, coach on the road in postseason history. Yeah. Eight road playoff wins. Tom Landry and Tom Coughlin, seven each. So wow. right behind him. And then Mike McCarthy. And Joe Gibbs behind. Andy Reid's not even in the question. So Andy Reid wasn't. Remember, they were home every year in Philadelphia, right? They always hosted those games and everything else. All right, score that one for Sneaky Hembo. Meanwhile, back to the game of the weekend, which will not be played on the weekend. It'll be played on Monday night. The turnover battle could be pivotal as Dak Prescott threw a career-high 15 interceptions this year, playing just 12 games. Tom Brady, meanwhile, is 20-1 and in his playoff career when his team wins the turnover battle. So we began this hour by talking about the quarterback. Let's continue the conversation by talking about the coach. I feel, Diana, like there is a school of thought 
that Mike McCarthy is coaching for more than just mm -hmm. one win on Monday night. What are you hearing? Your sense is he is, uh, and that's the right read by you. And, and there, there is a lot of pressure that he has to do this because of the roster. Jerry Jones has expectations that they've built something that should last and should go far in the playoffs. And, and there have been really good moments this season where you have to give Mike McCarthy credit. But, of course, there's still things that, that, that aren't great. And if they get bounced this early – I think this is where Jerry Jones is going to most likely have to make a decision on whether or not he wants to stick with Mike McCarthy or well, not. As I put the picks up on the screen here, here's what we say. When a coach makes the playoffs and gets fired, we all know that there's the, the traditional sort of ebb and flow of a season. And usually that Monday after the last games of the regular season is when we see most of the firings. When someone gets fired later than that, it is generally because there is a belief on the part of the owner and whoever else that this is a Super Bowl-caliber team. You get knocked out in the first round and you fire your coach, it means your owner at least believes you should have gone much further than that. Is this team that team? Are they that good? I, I think that they need to they definitely need to win this game, but they are a good football team, and they should win this football game and then move on to the next and round. And why does it say the Buccaneers under your name? Because it's a trap game. <laughs> it's a trap game. They should win this game. Because he played with Tom. So why friends with Tom. That's a factor doing? in all this. I don't know what I'm doing, Tom. <laughs> well, no, no. Alone. When the question is who's going to win a playoff game, the answer is usually Tom Brady. And that definitely exactly. factors into and, this thing. And he hasn't lost to the Cowboys. <sighs> Ever. Never. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in this particular matchup, again, the pressure is on the Cowboys. Yeah. We've been talking about the Cowboys all week. We haven't really been talking much about the Bucks all week. You know, we, you talk about hey, they were they underperformed this season. Well, guess what? The season doesn't matter. They're in the playoffs. They have a bunch of weapons that if you let them run the ball and throw the ball down the field like the last week of the season, we saw Tom Brady drop back, hit his back foot, and throw dimes down the mm -hmm. field. They can beat you. So, you know, the, the playoffs are kind of funny in a way. Like teams with the pressure, the game's on the line, you, you start to make mistakes. And one mistake can cost you a game. And, and, you know, Tim Hasselbeck, you said something a little bit earlier this morning, and I didn't have time to dive more deeply into it, which is while you have picked the Cowboys to win this game, you started saying this matchup scares you. What don't yeah. you like about this matchup for Dallas? Well, I think I look at Dallas defensively and see I, – like, I think Dallas is good. Now, they are an overly aggressive defense. They are a fast-flow aggressive defense. And so you look at what people have done to them. They've kind of used that against them. And so – you know, think about a double move on a corner. That's aggressive. Think about, um, you know, getting linebackers going one direction to try to hit a tight end coming back over, you know, the other way. That is what people have done with success against the Cowboys. And I think when you look at some of the recent success for Tampa, it's been with some of that stuff. Like it was a stutter go to Mike Evans on an overly aggressive corner. That is what would concern me is that this Dallas defense allows Tom Brady to get into a rhythm. Get comfortable. This Dallas defense, Ninko, and no one would know this better than you, obviously, having played on so many great defenses. They get a lot of attention per success, which is to say, like, one out of every four games, they look like they may be the most aggressive and, and dominant unit in the NFL. And then they don't look that way for most of the time. And they're playing this game on the road, on grass, which everyone here all week is telling me is not the best setup well, for them. you know, I think it's because the sack numbers, right? We were caught up in these sack numbers, the pressure numbers, because <laughs> that's what everybody wants to see. But at the end of the day, you have to stop the run. On first down, you have to be able to stop the run. And, and at some point this year – they were not able to stop the run. They were giving up a lot of yards on the ground. So when you start to do that, it makes third down a lot easier when it's third and five. 
So this team, if they want to get back to rushing the passer and being aggressive, they have to win on first down. I'm still watching this game going, what are they doing at corner? I, I don't. Yeah. I think we're overlooking it, that this is an issue. We saw what the commanders did. They tried using, you know, one of their draft, one of their young rookies in that spot. That didn't work. They tried signing a free agent off the street. That didn't work. Who is that guy? Who is going to be that player to step up? Because you know Tom Brady's just going to sit that, sit back, no huddle, and just go all day long where he has the advantage. It is worth pointing out, and you see the question on your screen, uh, that McCarthy is the first coach since Chan Gailey to lead them to the playoffs in consecutive seasons in about 20 years. Well, that, those Chan Gailey teams went one and out, one and out in each of those years, and he got fired. So history is what it is here. Feels like the Cowboys have a lot at stake. Meanwhile, DraftKings Sportsbook Predictions brought to you by DraftKings. Who will throw more touchdowns on Monday night? Will it be Dak Prescott or will it be Tom Brady? We will find out and we will remind you that DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And this week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Download the app and use the code GETUP when you sign up. Let's look at some of the other matchups this weekend. Uh, the playoffs will kick off Saturday afternoon in San Francisco. The 49ers will look to improve to 3-0 against Seattle this year as these division rivals match up. And for all the attention that Brock Purdy has received, the Niners actually enter the playoffs having allowed fewer points and fewer yards than any defense in the sport. They don't let teams move the ball. They do a great job in taking it away, second in takeaways with 30. During their 10-game win streak, the defense has allowed 20 points or fewer in nine of them. So I was trying to put together some questions here. Nico, I'll start with you as the defensive player. Is the most dominant unit that we will see on the field this weekend, right? So you got six offenses or 12 offenses and 12 defenses. Is the most dominant individual unit the San Francisco defense? Oh, man, that's a tough one because we've seen a lot of great offense lately. Um, you know, I, defense wins championships. Yeah. I'm a defensive player, and I love what the 49ers are doing. And I love the, the ability to stop the run, be aggressive, take the ball off people, get after the quarterback. They can do it all. And I think this game's going to be a rain, rain out. Like, it's going to be a washout. Yeah. And when you're a defender, you love those types of games because you literally understand these plays they can't run. They're going to try and run the football, and we're just going to get after this football team. So, uh, yeah, I'll go with yes, they are. They you're, are you're dominant. You're so lukewarm on this. Like, well, it's so I, hard I, because now it's so hard to stop offenses. You know, it's such a spread league now, and it's not. It's a completely different way of playing defense. Hasn't been that hard no, for San Francisco I, I so was, far this year. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm way more in love with the 49ers defense mm-hmm. than it sounds like you are. Like You're like, you get it, but I'm, I'm like all in. These guys are playing with their hair on fire. Mm-hmm. When you watch them, they are so much faster than anyone else that they're playing at all times. And, and I, I just think when you take a look at all the teams, I mean, what offense do you think is better than the 49ers defense at this point if you, if you can mismatch them or mix match them at this point, I mean, right? You have to have a mobile quarterback. Yeah. I mean, a mobile quarterback can really affect a great defense because you can't be as aggressive when you have a mobile quarterback. So any of the guys that can get out on, on the edge and, and run, that's that's trouble for How me. about this team? Whether they're the most dominant individual unit or not, they're, if they're going to go to the Super Bowl this year, they're going to ride Nick Bosa and that defense. Yeah, right? I think it's, it's a defensive-led team. Look, I think Kansas City is the only unit – that I would, their offense, yeah. obviously, that, that I would say, okay, maybe as a unit as mm-hmm. dominant. But look, I, in terms of their front, I mean, they've got yeah, elite players on their front. They've got elite players at the linebacker level, and I think that's helped the secondary play significantly better. They're coached well. John Lynch done a tremendous job uh, with their personnel. 
they're a defensive-led team, and I think what they're doing on offense, no matter who their quarterback is, actually just fits for the identity of their football just good. And look who they played, right? I think yeah. that's what also highlights how good they are. And you, you take a look at the quarterback. It could be Jimmy G. It could be Purdy. It could, it's whoever. Kyle Shanahan has built an offense where he literally can just plug and play. And then you add Christian McCaffrey just yeah. a few weeks ago. And, you know, I talk about hair on fire. He yeah. completely gives Kyle Shanahan that, that run game that he's been looking for. And as you see, everybody up here believes San Francisco survives and advances this one. And then they will wait. Maybe it's Dallas. The following weekend, there's a, a very realistic scenario where that thing plays out. What a fascinating matchup that would be after the game they played yeah. in the playoffs a year ago. All right, much more Football Friday as we go, but wait a minute. Did you see the controversy in the NBA last night? Game of the night. Guys, watch this. What happened here? It was LeBron against Luka. We're going right to the fourth quarter. 12 seconds left. Mavericks are down three. The one thing you can't do is let Luka shoot a three. Oh, my goodness. He winds up with a squared-up look, and of course... He knocks it down. Clutch shot by Luca. So now there is six seconds left, and the game is tied. Here we go. LeBron, Troy Brown. Watch this. Ninko. How is this not a foul? Tim Hardaway Jr. gets a piece of the hand and a piece of the body. Because it's not LeBron. And yet they didn't call the foul. If he had made one free throw in that scenario, they would have won in regulation. Instead, we're going to overtime. Under a minute to go. Mavericks are down three. And again, it's Luka knocking down another clutch triple. We're tied. Clock winding down. It tied again, this time at 108. <coughs> LeBron with a chance to win it. Taking it to the hole. Again, no whistle. He was looking for a call, and we're going to a second overtime in the second OT. Mavericks down by one, and just look at Luka. Special. He had 35 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists. LeBron now under 30 seconds to go, down by three, looking for the tie. He shot just 9 of 28 from the floor, and in double overtime, the Mavericks emerge with the win. The controversy on the non-call definitely got a lot of talk after the game was over. Meanwhile, we'll be back here tonight for the NBA in a double header. It starts with Steph and the Warriors on the road. Listen, they're playing tonight in the Alamo Dome against San Antonio, so there will be a lot of folks jammed into that building. Then we're going to have Jokic and the West leading Nuggets taking on Kawhi and the Clippers. We'll start your night 7 Eastern here on ESPN with NBA Countdown tonight. Looking forward to the hoops. Meanwhile, as we continue... Did you hear what Stephen A. Smith had to say yesterday about what the Ravens should do about Lamar Jackson? You aren't going to want to miss it. You'll hear it next. It's Get Up on ESPN. We are back in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson remains sidelined with a knee injury he suffered on December 4th. We've read you his tweets from yesterday in which he announced he's not healthy enough to play Sunday against Cincinnati. Earlier yesterday, Stephen A. Smith had this to say on first day. Trade him. What? You heard what I said? Trade him? Trade him. He hasn't practiced. Uh, He's missed the 16th straight practice. His durability being the question mark, combined with the money he wants, that you as an organization are obviously hesitant to give him. All of those things aligned with one another. I would strongly look into what assets I can get for Lamar Jackson because I could get the house for this brother. So to be clear, how does that work? It works similarly 
to an NBA sign and trade. We actually saw it with Devontae Adams a year ago. A team right. puts the franchise tag on a player. This is how this would work mechanically if the Ravens wanted to do what Stephen A is saying. You franchise tag him, then he goes out and finds someone who wants to pay him. The team works out the trade compensation, and the next thing you know, Devontae Adams is in Las Vegas, and in this case, Lamar Jackson would be somewhere else. Is there an expectation, Diana Rossini, that that is in the cards? It certainly has to be on the table because of what Stephen A pointed out, that they've obviously haven't been all in. They haven't paid the guy just yet. But that being said, They've, they've got the quarterback. Why are you going to trade the quarterback that you built your entire organization around at this point? This is ex- the Baltimore Ravens are Lamar Jackson. They, the thought of them moving forward without him just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, so then they have two options, it would seem. They can sign him to a long-term contract, the one that he wants. He, he seems to have made it clear he's not signing one that feels in any way team-friendly. Or you franchise tag him and hope that he plays on that. That's another precarious scenario. It's going to be scenario. another situation where we're going to be discussing whether or not he wants to do that. And, and, and again, he would have to sign it in order to get traded. What, what do we yeah. make of all this? Well, in terms of it, it'd be, it's cost prohibitive to sign the franchise tag and then hold out because essentially you're not getting that money at right. that point. So I don't think that that's a real option. I think the, the tag and trade is an option. I think it happened to Matt Castle as well. Yeah. Here's why you would do it. I think if you're Baltimore is he's played 12 games each of the last two seasons. Okay. He just told us that he's got an unstable name. So if that is accurate, and so now you have a guy who runs for a living, basically, who has not been able to finish the season in the last two years. He's only getting older. He wants probably what the market dictates for starting quarterbacks, which is around $250 million over the next five years. Mm-hmm. What's he going to look like at 30 years old? Like, I do think that there is an element of this in terms of style of play to think like, all right, like, can this work for a season? He proved it can work for a season. Can it work for five years? We're maybe, we're not sure. Can it work over a decade-long period? I don't think it can. And so part of the reason is this. You've probably gotten the best out of Lamar at this point. So that, if that is indeed the case, then now we're finding ourselves in a fairly fascinating little place, aren't we, Ninko? I think the one word that you would want to hear is compensation. Like, what are you willing to give me? Because they would, if they really, if they traded away Lamar, if you look at this team, Offensively, without Lamar, they're terrible. They are not a good offense. They need to have to. They would have to rebuild this whole thing, and they would need a lot of compensation to where you can get draft picks and then get a couple veteran players. Well, so let's be clear on what we're talking about here, Diana, because I, I got all the Jet fans tweeting me and all that kind of stuff. Go after Lamar. Go after Lamar. I, I hear you. Here's what it costs, though. It costs the two hundred plus million dollars that Tim is talking about. Plus what? Two first round picks. Three first-round picks? I mean, if, if we've seen that kind of compensation for players in trades in the past, what would a 26-year-old former MVP be worth who plays quarterback it, on the open it, market? There's teams that are going to be willing to, p- to pay that. I don't think we should have a conversation of who's willing to do it. Is he worth it? We're past that point. Right. There are enough desperate teams that would build their offense around Lamar Jackson. But just going back, remember, the Ravens – offered money to him. Yeah. If you remember, Chris yeah. Warren and Adam Schefter reported that um, there was a very good offer, and I spoke to Lamar that right after that game uh, about the offer that was there, and, and he seemed very set on a number that was, was way higher th- than what the Baltimore Ravens were willing to offer at that point. The shame of it is it really shouldn't have been that hard to get a deal done. There were guys like Kyler Murray who got new contracts, yeah. and so you know that he's going to get a a better deal than Kyler Murray in terms of what he's accomplished, where he was. 
if you if he ended up getting hung up on the Deshaun Watson deal, that probably was I mean I just it was probably a mistake on his part, and probably ultimately with how this has gone, maybe ends up costing him some money. Well, look, the Deshaun Watson thing, which was I think in looking back on it, it was a desperate move by the Cleveland Browns, and they were figuring out some way to get a player to come to their team who clearly wanted to go somewhere else, and so they signed him to a contract that's fully guaranteed that at this moment feels more like an outlier than a precedent. But I also fully understand. Understand Lamar Jackson saying, I've been better than that guy. I've done more winning than that guy. I haven't done the first thing that made the organization embarrassed, and he certainly can't say that. Why in the world am I not worth every penny that he is worth? I fully understand Lamar Jackson going the Bra- to the table Just because the Browns did something stupid doesn't mean we should do something. Well, exactly. that's, the, that's, that's not simple. What Tim laid out was exactly what we were talking about in the summer. When you were asking me, what are you hearing? Why aren't the Ravens signing him? Right. Every single picture that he just painted is the exact reason. And you have to believe that Baltimore is sitting back going, maybe we did the right thing here for us long term. So at the end of the day, if you if you look at July and where we sit right now, Lamar has lost money. I mean, he's not going to get what he wants right now, especially with a knee issue. Who knows what's going to go on with that? But also the attitude. I mean, at the end of the day, if Harbaugh is like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on the guys that are here. Yeah. I'm, I can't worry about the guys that aren't. And he's, and he's, get to the, he's getting to that point where he's, like, going to wash his hands of it. It's potential that they, they move on, and they, they do look for compensation ac- adequate enough to move on. But at long. some point, we were sitting here in mid-September going, I want to hire Lamar as my agent. I remember thinking, I'm yeah, like, man, he, was, he, he did this on right. But we early all, in the year. Look, he's and you guys, he's not going to lose no, in all no, of no, There's no, got to no, be a, a team question that of, pays him if they do. And then, like you said, the franchise tag next year will make him a lot of money. It's still going to make a lot of money. But in his position, he's going to make what he wants. It's a question of, of of just how badly you run up the score. He's going to win. A yep. player of his yeah. talent is clearly going to win and richly deserves to. He's going to wind up, you know, uh, within a yacht of Deshaun Watson money, it's just a question. Yeah, so he's going to make all kinds of money. There. And so the question ends up being, like, what does the success of his career look like? I think most of us, because of how Baltimore has built their team, feel like that's the place where he'd go have a lot of success. They have a 300-pound fullback for a reason, right? Yeah. Like they, they, they've done that. Now the question is, with how this has gone on and the fact that it's transpiring this way with this injury, does Baltimore feel differently about him? Mm. I, and I, I think they could. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, it is maybe this was predictable before the season began, but I will go all the way back. This should never have turned out this way. This is a great young player and an organization that built everything around him. They should have been able to figure this thing out. In the meantime, first take is coming up top of the hour here. Are the Buccaneers poised to pull off what would be an upset against the Cowboys? They'll answer those questions and so many more. It's Stephen A., Marcus, Molly, and more. First take following us here on ESPN. This show is popping this morning. I'm going to say Whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we doing on this show? Take a look at the glasses. I'm thinking, well, maybe we'll have ourselves a game. You thought wrong. That makes me laugh. I'm glad Zero Fox is alive for another week. <laughs> Lucky me. I get scared every time I'm going to say it because I'm country and I might say the wrong thing. Now, we talked about how Tua is not. Oh, well, that was sort of a premature smashing there, wasn't it? I wasn't trying to dunk on Saban. Let the Terps win a national title. I'm dunking on everybody. If I were him, I'd be standing on a sideline with a sign that says they suck without. <laughs> Dayball has proven that he can make chicken salad out of chicken you know what. Just hilarious. You are so 
Lucky, I like this job. The man's got sway. Yeah. Give me that bit 31. <laughs> <laughs> Why did the chicken cross the road? Why, Why? didn't? What, 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 what? Lack of professionalism. Come on, man. That kid man got family right there. Yeah, I just want you to feast your eyes on the many expressions that Damian Woody made today. <laughs> He's gone through the ringer today. This show was definitely popping, man. <laughs> All week long, we thank you for getting up with us. Delightful to Delightful. have Diana yes. Rossini back. Yes, yes. Two kids. I'm pregnant again. Just kidding. No, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the football. We will see you back in better than ever first thing on Monday morning. But the fun continues with First Take right now.